either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. It's a good week for superheroes and rom-coms, so we'll see if uh, good is the right word to use. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. Let's start off with Volume 3, still reeling from the loss of Gamora. Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own, a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians. If not successful, it's Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. We'll all fly away together. Kill a few people. Kill no people. Kill one guy, one stupid guy who no one loves. Now you're just making it sad. It's interesting to call this film a a pleasant surprise, but it was because you've got the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies that pretty much established the formula, mm-hmm. and we just saw it really repackaged here just a few weeks ago with Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Used it to great effect. Uh, but so what's nice is you get the formula of, of this movie. Writer-director James Gunn is back for part three. You get the humor. You get the camaraderie. You get the superhero action. But this time you get a surprising amount of, of humanity, even some existential turmoil. And it's surprisingly touching and I think a great way to send out this trilogy. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, because... You know, the first two were about Peter Quill sort of sort of grappling with his own backstory and his his parents and, and loss. This one is really about this group of people who love each other. That's mm-hmm. really what it's about. It's about it's, it's very internal. They love each other. And uh, we come to know this because Rocket is in jeopardy. He so Adam Warlock from the first episode, Will Poulter. Love him. Love him. And uh he's actually really quite funny in this movie. I could have had more of him. He's really <laughs> funny. Anyway, he he um damages. Uh he's trying to kidnap and he winds up damaging Rocket and they have to Rocket's friends all have to find Rocket's creator so that they can uh, disable the kill switch that is keeping anybody from being able to save Rocket. So the whole their whole reason for doing all of these things, and it winds up killing a lot of people, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> their whole reason for doing it is just to save their friend. Yeah. And meantime, we're Rocket is not in the movie a great deal, except in his own sort of dream flashbacks. And that's where things get very tender, because... Yeah. You know, you get a chance to see Little Rocket, yeah. Cute Rocket, all well, it's, these it's other It's his origin little, story, yeah, it's really. It's his origin story. Yeah, it's absolutely what it is. And it's very touching. It is. In fact, I, I dare say, maybe for the smallest of kids, may not be ready for some of his backstory, yeah. I guess. I mean, obviously, parents, you're going to know your kids. But it is. It's surprisingly touching. And 
and as we said, existential, and and it really works. It does it. It cements the love between these characters, but you do still have a a more universal save the world type of theme because it and that all ties into the story with Rocket because the villain this time they're fighting is known as the High Evolutionary, played by Chukwudi Ewuji. I hope I pronounced that right. He's got a god complex, obviously. In fact, and they they mentioned that on some solar system, some universes, he's, considered god. he's a considered he's considered a god. So he's been messing with evolution, like in a very very increased state. Like they're able to take a take a, a guinea pig, so to speak, and speed up what the evolution of their species might look like mm-hmm. if they make this little change. And so his stated goal is a perfect species. Mm-hmm. And so that is what they're trying to to uh, combat, and of course this ties into how Rocket got to be the way he was. And so it does get very heady. I mean, these types of themes obviously have some some echoes to the past, but also they really call out. I think by name a, a group that uh, is certainly not far from the headlines these days who just don't like things the way they are. The mm-hmm. burn it all down crowd. Mm-hmm. So that's top of mind as well. And I know that sounds very serious, and it is, but it's still quite funny. It's very funny. And 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 again, I think it's rooted in the relationships among these characters, which is great because they, since the very first episode, they're all such dumbasses, like every single <laughs> yeah, one of them. They are. And I love that about them. And the only one who in the, you know, in the original series probably wasn't, she was very high-minded, she was very noble, right, was Gamora. And we lost... Regular Gamora. Right. And we've replaced her in this one with Mean Gamora. And I like Mean Gamora so much better because Nebula was always kind of my favorite. She's hilarious. Karen Gillan continues to be very just deadpan perfection in this role. But even she has a little some weepy moments because she also they love Rocket. Mm -hmm. And that's what you said earlier. And they make a mention of it in the movie. He's always been what the series is about. We right. always thought it was about Peter Quill, but right. it's actually always been about And they about say Rocket. that specifically. So James Gunn is is making no bones about that fact. This is this is has been Rocket's story since day one, and boy, they really drive that home in a great way. But all the characters get their due. I mean, this has become very character-driven. You mentioned the ones that you mentioned are great. I also love roguish Gamora. And there's some some funny interplay between the fact that, you know, Quill is still pining for her mm-hmm. and she has no interest because she has no memory of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Dave Bautista is great um, as Drax and mm-hmm. his his some of his comments and his deadpan uh, oh, yeah. wise and his deadpan one-liners are very funny. Uh, because he's, we've seen him in other in other films. He's he's become quite a good actor. Yes, and he's has great comic timing. He's he, we've seen him do uh, dramas as well, but his comic timing, especially for this character, is just perfect. So they've got it all down pat by now. They really do, and and I love the bestie relationship between Drax and yeah. Mantis. They're really yeah. funny together, yeah. and they're very funny in this movie. Yeah, Palm Clementith, uh plays Mantis. They are. Um, and then, of course, I am Groot um, oh, yeah. with the voice of Vin Diesel. And so the gang is all here. We feel comfortable with these characters. We know these characters. So I really like how James Gunn goes to go out and really, like you said, um, embrace the love between them and the love that we have for them right. uh, on this ride that's been happening now this for, for three films and just really dig into the, to the, to the feelings yeah. Really all about the feelings, and it's a great way to send it off. I mean, it's it's Marvel, so you're going to stick around for a couple of scenes mm-hmm. that one of them will give you maybe an idea of how they might continue on, but I really don't think 
like like this iteration is done. Yeah. Um, until you know they reboot it in ten years or whatever. Right. But for now, it does feel like, it does feel like a capper. It does. It really does. Um, and so it's it's well done, and I think things will continue in some. We'll see these characters again in some form, but it really feels like a nice warm send off, and we haven't even mentioned anything about the action and it's also very good yes it absolutely is yeah it, it very definitely is and I think it it builds in unexpected ways I mean I think that the the story takes a lot of unexpected directions that are you know you you're just sort of enraptured the whole mm-hmm. time yeah I will say if there's gonna be a, a knock on it we always say how movies like this and so many movies in general, can rise and fall on the strength of the villain. I don't think this villain is particularly strong. No, I think you're probably right. The theme is strong, yeah. and it is a big part of what you feel for Rocket and his origin story. But for the villain itself, I don't think is a great, memorable villain. No, but here's the thing. There's more creepy stuff going on in this oh, one. I yeah. mean, it's sort of slyly creepy. Um, uh, well, that's what I'm talking about. The yeah. little kids, they yeah. might, uh, you know, yeah. we, we don't want to give away too much here, no. but, um, you know, Rocket and his, his pals are all furry and cute and, you know, there's some uncomfortable things happen to them. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, there, and then there's a whole planet that, um, looks like earth until you get there and you realize, and then later it's like, what happens to that poor planet? You know, so there's, there's a good amount of carnage, honestly, in this yeah. film. And there are also, there's a big theme well i'm about theme there are some definite homages to return of the jedi oh yeah that's hard very to get... very clear yeah. <laughs> <laughs> homages to return of the jedi which of course was also a very famous capper to a trilogy right. that had many many films later but at least at that point it was a a big capper to a trilogy so yeah there's a couple of clear call outs to return of the jedi but i think uh, all around well done Yes, um, I think if you're going, if you you go in, you're going to get what you have loved about this franchise, mm-hmm. and then you're going to get more that you didn't expect that wasn't there before, but is very well well intentioned and very much appreciated. I think. Agreed. I think it's a, a really solid job all the way around for Volume Three of Guardians of the Galaxy in all the theaters, pretty much everywhere right now. <laughs> All right, let's dive into those romantic comedies we talked about. This one, a young woman tries to ease the pain of her fiancé's death by sending romantic texts to his old cell phone number and forms a connection with the man the number has been reassigned to. It's called Love Again. She thinks I am interesting. You need to tell her the truth. You should have said something to her right away. But if I tell her, she'll never speak to me again. I was looking forward to this. I just felt like I knew you or something. Do you think you could fall in love with someone just through their words? I think you're very cute. The more I get to know her, the better I like her. Things like this don't just happen. Love is a plan for each and every one of us. Hi, this is Celine Dion. Sure. And I'm Mariah Carey. Love comes to those who believe it. And this is really me. Oh my gosh, hi. The first of a couple of rom-coms we're going to talk about today. Yeah, and this one, I know people love the rom-coms, and that's great. If you love the rom-coms, go for it. That's right. I couldn't, got into maybe halfway through this thing, and I could not believe it's not on Hallmark Channel, that this gets a big screen release. Because it just screams a Hallmark Channel type of rom-com. Obviously, you got from that 
synopsis. Pretty convoluted. She is sending those text messages to ease her her pain, her grieving process over the death of her boyfriend. And by her, I mean Mira, played by Priyanka Chopra Jonas. And so eventually that phone number, as phone numbers do, get assigned to somebody else. And who gets this but a handsome single guy? What? And he's just hurting from a breakup. Uh, That's not contrived. Uh, <laughs> and he's he's a music critic, a music journalist, and that comes into play. So he's intrigued at first by all these messages, and of course then he tries to track her down, and so there's some some secrecy when they do meet, and oh, I, I tried to tell you, but then you don't tell me. And so you can kind of guess where this is going. But it goes in some surprising directions. One of them heavily involves Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a remake of a German film from a few years ago that was based on a, a novel. I don't think any of the, either one of those had anything to do with Celine Dion. <laughs> now, she is listed as an executive producer here. I don't know if that's the only way they got her t- to be in this movie or if somehow she got the right. I, I don't know. Right. But the fact is she is playing herself. And she's a decently large part of this movie, and it just seemed shoehorned in there. Let's make Celine Dion a part of this movie, because he's a music critic, a music journalist assigned to write a story about her, and then she gets involved and she hears this story and everything like that. So, yes, it is very convoluted. It's full of that rom-com type of dialogue that is just not the way people talk. So like when she's talking, when Mira is talking to her sister, her, her sister will also will always say things like, your sister said, just to reinforce to the audience what the connection here is. People yeah. don't talk like that. No. And when the uh, Rob, the man who she texts, who's played by Sam Hewen, and it looks like his main experience has been from Hallmark Christmas specials, which seems right. So when they show him watching basketball to try to reinforce the fact, oh, he's a basketball fan, it doesn't look real at all. Anyone that's cheered on a basketball game, that's not real. Just things like that. And I know these aren't, for people that love these, they're not real. They're fantasies. I get it. Oh, they're absolutely fantasies. Can you imagine? I I get it. So I'm getting text messages. I think I should go find out who it is. Oh, it's (laughs) literally the most beautiful woman on our planet. What are the odds? How lucky am I? (laughs) So you know what you're getting here, and again, we're not we're not disparaging any fans of rom coms. If you love that, God bless you. Go and enjoy it. But it for us, it's very eye rolly because these things can be done very well. They can be not just this convoluted, seemingly that it's it knows what it's doing and it just it's playing to its lowest common it's, denominator. Right. Especially when you look at it, it was written it was written and directed by was co written and directed by Jim Strauss. Now, if you look back at his, one of his very first major scripts was for um, Lonesome Jim. It's a great movie. Yeah, now that was directed by Steve Buscemi, but still, it's a good script. Yeah, it is. And I almost got the feeling knowing that, that he said, okay, my assignment is a rom-com, so I'm going to play along. Yeah. That's what it feels like. And it's just just so convoluted. And another, another, in a string, and I think we'll talk about another one here in a minute, there's an unfortunate sort of trend happening, I think, in rom-coms right now, where you put these two actors together they don't really have a lot of chemistry. Yeah. Now, now this one is not as bad as that Ashton Kutcher Reese Witherspoon oh, yeah, thing. That was just... uh, your place or mine. Yeah. That was might have set the bar at an all time low as far as zero chemistry. These two are okay, but you just don't get the feeling like they're hot for each other. You just don't, no. and that's kind of important. 
in these types of movies. But one thing they do have fun with, though, they put it in the trailer, which kind of surprised me because it's a, it's a fun surprise if you don't know what's happening. But since it's in the trailer, I think it's fair game to talk about, is that when Mira, the Mira character, starts dating again, her sister kind of forces her to get on a dating app. And the first guy that she's paired with is played by her real-life husband, Nick Jonas. Right. And he has fun poking fun at his own image and of course he's a douchebag that uh, does it doesn't go well so that's sort of funny if you if you uh, know about the two of them and, and and she's taken his last name so it's easy to know that they're married but uh, they do have some fun some good-natured fun with that but in the end I think this is strictly for rom-com lovers and again I can't believe it's getting a full theater release but it did out there now called love again Well, let's stay in theaters and stay in that genre. In London, an award-winning filmmaker documents her best friend's journey into an assisted marriage in line with his family's Pakistani heritage. In the process, she challenges her own attitude toward relationships. It's called What's Love Got to Do With It? Got news. I got engaged. Wait, what? Very like her. Hi. Hi. Love at first Skype. (laughs) How do you feel about possibly moving to London? She's fine with it. The wedding's in Pakistan. You're so fully signed up to this. You're forgetting I've seen it work. Maybe you should focus on your own choices. You actively search out anyone who is wrong. No one can get close to you. Am I just half the person when I'm not with the man? Is that what you think? And you all need other people. There's no weakness in that. Now the party starts. Just like that! I used to think that I was scared of being with the wrong person. But now I realize that I'm scared of being with the right person. Now, that seems like a weird title because immediately what you think of is Tina Tina Turner Turner and also the 1993 biopic about Tina Turner. What's weirder still, since this is a movie about a woman documenting her friend's decision to have an arranged marriage, there is, in fact, a documentary about eight uh, people in India, not Pakistan, who decide to go by way of an arranged marriage instead of dating anymore, and that documentary is called What's Love Got to Do With It? (laughs) All righty. That's insane to me. (laughs) Anyway. But let's move past the title. Right. And into the fact that this is Lily James is strong. Yep. And it also benefits from a supporting role from the great Emma Thompson. Oh, yeah. She is a hoot. She plays Zoe, which is Lily James' character. She plays Zoe's mom, um, who is a single woman, and she loves her dog, and she's very involved with the family who lives next door, and that is Kazim's parents. And Kazim was uh, Zoe's best friend growing up, and he's the one who's decided that he's just going to, he's hes weary of this dating situation. He is just going to let his parents find him a bride. And Kazim is played by Shazad Latif. Who, in fact, as it turns out, is a longtime, very close friend of Lily James. Okay. So that seems on the surface like a good idea because they're playing two people who grew up together, were best friends, and, and now, uh, you know, he's so close to her that he's going to let her document his uh, his trek toward wedding, wedded bliss or <laughs> wedded, you know, whatever. Um, and that makes sense. But, of course, it is a romantic comedy. And so, you know, from the from the outset that these two are meant to be together. And the problem, just as you were saying a minute ago, is that they do not have any any sexual chemistry they have a great camaraderie yeah that's exactly the vibe you get like you get what you get when she says things kind of eye-rolly at him about how she's 22 oh i see you you're like this is he would take it without being defensive he you know they seem very natural as best friends 
And at no point are you like, yeah, they ought to get together. No. You're like, good for them that they have each other to help them through these rough patches like best friends should. And I think that that's the, the biggest problem with the movie is that then when you get to that, you know, rush to the end where will they or won't they, you're like, I, you know, I don't think I want them to. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you need a good best friend. Although, you know. I am all for marrying your best friend. Aww. I think that that's an exceptional idea, but you should also really think they're hot. That's an important <laughs> thing, I think. But anyway, that's not the only problem with the movie because it just wedges too much stuff in uh, because we spend a lot of time, obviously, following the steps of this arranged marriage, but then we get an awful lot of Zoe and how she kind of, she she tells these fairy tales to her friend's kids as she puts them to bed and she you know, that she's really, their stories about herself and about dating. And, and it's it's just too much. It's just too much stuff going on into this one film. I do want to say one of the things that I appreciated the most about it is that no one is vilified. You know, they, right. don't, they don't want you to secretly hate Kazim's parents for trying to convince him that an arranged marriage is a good idea. They don't sort of set the, you know, set the movie against the woman that he winds up being paired with. You don't dislike anybody, and I appreciate that. Everybody gets to be human. Yeah, you know, and that's one thing that reminds me that I meant to say about Love Again. It does have a, 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 a heart and a nice message about grief and moving on from loss with your life, but still honoring the, the memory of the person that you lost. So, it, And especially when you bring Celine Dion right. to it, who most people know lost her husband not too long ago. So. So, sort of like in this movie, there is something to like there. It's like yes. it, you you really are meaning well, right. and, and I get that, but it's just uh, it just plays out that same convoluted way. Yeah, this one I just think yeah, you know from the beginning, I I I do think they tried. I think that there's a lot more um, actual talent involved in the writing and the direction and the cast in this mm-hmm. film. You know, I, I don't want to completely just disregard it. I just don't think that it quite quite got there. And the writer is Jemima Khan. The director is Shekhar Kapoor. And uh, so, yeah, it's sort part of... of it, well, go ahead. Yeah. Part of the problem, I think, is that it automatically calls to mind the big sick. You know, like once you're talking to, you know, a, a, a Pakistani, like the, the, a son of Pakistani parents, and the, and the Pakistani parents really want a very conventional Pakistani kind of bride, kind of a fan, you know, once you're looking at that, it's it's really hard not to compare this movie in your head with The Big Sick, which is probably the best romantic comedy since Bull Durham. I mean, it's like the best of a generation. Well, it's one that we often point to when we say these can be done well, and that one did it so well. Yeah, and, and so it does. This yeah. You can't live up to that comparison. Yeah, I get it. And that is also in theaters out now called What's Love Got to Do With It? Next is a foreign language film that you could call a romantic comedy and you could call it a lot of other things. When Abel learns that his mother is about to marry a man in prison, he freaks out. With the help of his best friend, he will do whatever it takes to protect her. But meeting his new stepfather may well offer him a new perspective. It's called The Innocent. That would be tough to take. Yeah, and this is a French film, and it's uh, co-writer and director Louis Garel, and he's also a co-star. And you may remember him if you saw the movie from um, several years ago now called The Dreamers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was paired with Michael Pitt in that... Uh, and Eva Green. And Eva Green in that threesome. So anyway, he's all grown up, and he's a <laughs> filmmaker, and he's also the co-star here. And this one, it really is enjoyable, but man, you got to... 
you got to hang with it, especially American audiences. I got the impression that this probably is a more of an acquired taste for American audiences than it is for the the audiences of his native France. Because the tonal clash, it is all over the place. You're not sure what it is. It's a it's a drama. It's a romantic comedy. It's a zany comedy because when he first does meet uh, his his uh, mother's new husband, this is Abel, which is played by Louis Carell, the filmmaker, and his mother works teaching drama to prison inmates, which incidentally is something that Louis Carell's real mother did for some 20 years. Wow. So he's basing that on some real life uh, experiences as well. So he is not happy that she falls for another inmate. You get the feeling that she's done this a few times. Oh, and, no. Yeah, they do get married, and uh, Michelle is uh, his name, the inmate. And then he's released pretty soon after, and Abel is starts following him, trailing him, trying to catch him in a lie, and the fact that to show his mother that he's still involved in a life of crime and not worth her time. And the the surveillance stuff, is it's almost Benny Hill type. It's just zany <laughs> when he's out in the car and trying to hide from him, and oh, he, he gets spotted. And so then you're thinking, okay, is that what this is? But then it moves on to some drama, and it moves into the romantic comedy territory, and there's a heist involved. And <laughs> I know, but it ends up working. I mean, it's a real good cast. Uh, Abel's friend zone kind of friend maybe girlfriend uh clements is played by naomi merlant who we've seen when have been so good in portrait of a lady on fire right she's she in tar. just in tar yeah. so it's a really great cast that helps to pull all these threads together it's just so nutty the way it does it as it as it speaks to what it, what it really does it speaks to acting and how and it, he really blurs the line between acting and lying. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're playing a part on stage or you know in a film or whatever, but the parts that we play in our lives and how we lie to other people, we lie to ourselves in playing these parts that aren't maybe our real true selves. And has some real clever fun with that while he also ends up making serious dramatic points about how important it is to be honest in relationships. So if you can handle that ping-ponging between all these different themes and all these different sort of um, tones, I think you'll enjoy this movie. I ended up enjoying it, but you just have to be ready for that and uh, and, and know that it will come together uh, in the end by this by some pretty clever writing and a, a really impressive cast of characters as well. And that is out now in theaters called The Innocent. And one more in theaters this week. When Andre, 85, has a stroke, Emmanuel hurries to her father's bedside, sick and half paralyzed in his hospital bed. He asks Emmanuel to help him end his life. But how can you honor such a request when it's your own father? This is the latest from Francois Ozone called Everything Went Fine. My prize. Is for fugir? Matt Weiner reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com. And, um, you know, he feels like it's really in keeping with Ozone's general filmmaking. He also, he did Eight Women a few, uh, many years ago now. Swimming he did pool. Swimming Pools, mm-hmm. right? He's got a great aesthetic. You know, uh, his movies look amazing. And they explore dysfunction, but in, in an almost a laid back way. And the film is about euthanasia. And so it may seem strange to take sort of a very laid back, not melodramatic or even very dramatic or even super emotional it seems a strange approach but in the end it's actually i think for not forcing the emotion on you 
um, maybe more powerful and, and maybe more cathartic. The performances are great, in particular, Andre Dusselier, who plays the father. That doesn't seem like a role that lets you do a lot. And it's an understated, really brilliant turn. And so I think also the fact that the performances are so believable helps you to really feel connected to the film. Yeah, and Emmanuel, his daughter, is played by Sophie Marceau. And then you get another great supporting performance from Charlotte Rampling who that's all she does pretty much later. She'll just come in and just class the joint up and just own it. Own it. Yeah, she has really kind of accepted and her, her legendary status is growing more and more uh, by the film. But uh, yeah, this is one that Matt Wiener appreciated, like you said, the aesthetic, and especially if you know the director. And also, when you know that these characters, I think American audiences will buy into this a little bit more as well because the characters... In their homeland, euthanasia is illegal, right? As it is here, mm-hmm. and they have to travel. Part of this becomes traveling to Switzerland mm-hmm. uh, to try to get this done. And there are ways, especially if you have money, mm-hmm. just like because that's how the world works. Right? You can grease the wheels a little bit. So, uh, yeah, definitely want to check out if you, uh, especially if you appreciate this director's work. It's it's another one that's worthy of it. And you can find Matt Weiner's full review at MadWolf.com. That one's in theaters now, called Everything Went Fine. All right, time to check in with the Schlocketeer. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Checking back into the lobby with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, for the week's latest news and dates and releases. What do you see this week? Well, I have a big big thing on the release date front, but I'll get to that next. First up, uh, there's a ton of stuff that people can watch right now. Um, Scream 6 is now available on VOD and on Paramount+. Plus. Cool. And Mafia Mama, Renfield, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and The Pope's Exorcist all hit VOD this week. Now, one of those was a hit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the thing to know about that is that those are premium VOD prices, so you will be paying 20 to 25 Oh, sure. To rent them. Okay, gotcha. In a few weeks, those prices will drop. Also, week after next, Dungeons & Dragons will be hitting Paramount+. Plus. So if you're subscribed to that, you might want to wait mm-hmm. a couple weeks to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, the big news of the week is, of course, the writer's strike. Yes, now, what does that mean going forward? Well, it depends on how long it runs, but if this ends up running for a few months like the past few strikes have, we could be seeing a lot of uh, not so much the huge tent poles for the fall, but at least the smaller ones getting shuffled around to next year to pad out the slate because you know it's going to affect stuff that was supposed to be shooting soon that probably can't now. Right. Absolutely. So I might have a lot of date shifts for you in the near future. Okay. And I have one recommendation. It is not a movie, but it is a website and an app. And it's called JustWatch.com. The app is also called Just Watch. It is available on Android and Apple. And what it is is uh, you punch in a movie or a TV show, and it will tell you if it is streaming somewhere and where it is streaming or available to rent. I'd say it's got about a 90% accuracy, so it's a pretty handy tool if you're looking for something you don't personally own and you feel the mood to watch it, whether it's old or new. And what's the name again? Justwatch.com, and the app is also called Just Watch. Nice. That sounds very helpful. All right. We always appreciate it. You can check in with Daniel uh, online to get the latest news at any time. You can find him online and socials at The Schlocketeer. Thanks a bunch. Hey, thanks for having me. 
Looking ahead to next week, doesn't look like any big blockbusters headed out, but the latest uh, from Ben Affleck, the actor, not the director, called Hypnotic, is out next week. Also, Book Club Part 2. All righty. Michael J. Well, it's called Still, a Michael J. Fox movie comes out uh, next week as well. Crater. Party Girl. Oregon Trail. Wild Beauty. An Employee of the Month. All right, that is next week. But what about this week? You loving that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? You want to tell us why rom-coms are the best? That's fine. We love to keep the conversation going. You can always find us on Twitter. That's easy. We're at Mad Wolf. That's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it is Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. That's all there at MadWolf.com. So check it out, and uh, let's keep talking about the movies. And until next week, be well. She is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>